Welcome to episode two of the flyhalf.net podcast. Flyhalf.net is a web publication about rugby and New Zealand. Thanks for checking out the podcast. This is Phil Metcalf, currently based in New York City. I have on the line once again with me Chris Metcalf up in Dublin, Ireland. Hey Chris, how are you? Doing good, mate. And I also have uh, Jordan Clark down in Auckland, New Zealand. Uh, Jordan, how's it going? Yeah, not too bad, mate. Thanks. Our main focus today uh, is the big All Blacks Ireland uh, rematch at Aviva Stadium in Dublin. Uh, pretty packed house, over 51,000 there uh, to witness what many called the biggest test of the year. Uh, lads, was it the biggest test of the year? Chris, you were there. Uh, how was it? It was bloody cold, um, if I'm honest. I, um, I had a sore jaw at the end of it from shivering so much, and that's not an exaggeration. Um, it was, uh, if I'm honest, I came away a little disappointed. Um, I was really hoping for the really electric atmosphere like that we had there, like there in 2013, or the kind of um, celebration type atmosphere that we had in Chicago. And it seemed that it was just really, uh, there was, there was a lot of kind of crackle and, and snap early on. Uh, in the in the atmosphere, the game itself was really intense and obviously very physical, and there was a lot of kind of incidents, which I'm sure we'll go into. Um, but the crowd kind of lost. I mean, there was a Mexican wave at the end, which is never a good sign. You know, it usually indicates a little bit of flagging engagement. So I came away a little bit disappointed, um, but it was still a you know fantastic test match, and um, you know, two very 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 closely matched sides um, uh, going at it like. You know, really, really hammering tongs. How how were your seats? I was right in um, on the corner flag. So Fekitoa's first uh, try was, you know, it felt like I could almost reach out and uh, uh, touch him. And that that midfield, uh, sorry, the crossfield kick from Barrett. So that that happened right in front of me. I had two big TV cameras and um, a really uh, kind of circular uh, steward man who um, had a habit of standing up at really uh, unfortunately timed moments. Um, but I was, I was literally in the front row, so it was brilliant. Um, and you know, uh, just really great to be able to be there because those tickets were very hard to come by. So, uh, yeah, really good. And Jordan, uh, how about you? Did it kind of meet your expectations in terms of, you know, biggest test of the year? Yeah, I I thought it was a, a great contest. Like both teams really wanted it out there and, and that's what we kind of expected after the Chicago sort of shakeup. Uh, the, the ABs defended like their lives sort of depended on it, and the Irish did everything but get the ball down over the try line. Uh, I, I just thought it was a great physical contest, and, and it's something the All Blacks uh, really needed to test out that sort of commitment on defence this year. We hadn't had that sort of challenge from anyone in the rugby challenge, uh, rugby championship. Yeah, I feel like it had all the drama, you know, the yellow cards, the tackles. The crowd seemed to come into it more and more. The ref was having an off day in places. There was the TMO try for Barrett, you know, and it, it kind of um, it lived up to expectations in my mind in in ways that I wasn't expecting, if if, if that's possible. Uh, I don't think we saw a full repeat of Chicago, which was also quite refreshing. I think uh, I want to talk about the All Blacks' defensive effort. You know, they had to work bloody hard for the victory. We have. Um, you know, Ireland with around 30% uh, possession and territory and, you know, the All Blacks had to make 193 tackles. Uh, have we seen a defensive performance like this from the, uh, from the All Blacks in a while, Jordan, or have they maybe they just haven't been tested like this for a while? 
Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. They hadn't been tested like this before, uh, this season especially. Um, this was a much more committed effort on defence from the All Blacks. Like There was a lot more organisation to it, which was missing in Chicago. And I, I think Whitelock and Retallick, uh having those two back in there made a bit of a difference. Uh, they were both superb. Uh, it was 193 tackles made. I mean, you're bound to make a couple of bad ones in that. It's still no excuse for Fiki Taylor's effort, of course, but... Geez, to keep the, the try line clean after all that is it's pretty huge. Yeah. Um, the, the Irish may have lacked that killer instinct on attack this week. Uh, losing your number 10 and number 12 fairly early on will sort of do that, I guess. But still take nothing away from that defensive effort. It was it was huge. Yeah, Chris, I think like uh, in, in Chicago, we saw uh, the Irish cross the line, what was it, four, four or five times. And then on Saturday, we saw you know, zero conceded tries from the All Blacks. And I think if we look back at the, the game and then we think back to Chicago, that's just the clear thing that stands out, I think, for me. How about you? Yeah, big time. I mean, Ireland had, uh, I saw a stat that said that they were in possession of the ball for 23 minutes and 47 seconds and they didn't score a try. And you compare that to Chicago, they had the ball in possession for 18 minutes and they scored five tries. So there was definitely uh, something different going on and, you know, there's only really kind of two things that it could possibly be and that is the ability to score or the, you know, the ability of the defending team to, to keep you out. I think it's fair to say that Ireland did have opportunities. Uh, Justin Marshall said in the paper that he, he kind of counted 20 to 25, you know, opportunities to, to score points. I don't know, I, I haven't gone through and, and counted them, but it felt like that on the day. It felt like it felt like it was just, you know, inevitable and it just never came. A lot of that is, I mean, down 100% to just a massive, massive increase in the defensive intent. Uh, I mean, physicality is a game that everyone's been talking about, a word that everyone's been talking about. It was brutal. You have to say as well that Ireland, you know, they screwed up a couple of times. So, um, you know, there was a line-out move. They gave the ball to Sean O'Brien and all he had to do was catch it and fall over. Uh, he was coming at a, a big rate of knots, and he spilled it. There was a, you know, there a couple of points where uh, Sean O'Brien again uh, made a break off Jamie Heaslip in in the midfield, and Barrett was the most incredible covering tackle that I think I've ever seen. You know, tiny little number ten, and his body position as he, I mean, just he came from behind and managed to wrap himself underneath this lad who's you know thirty, probably thirty kilos maybe on him, and uh, and and. I think if you're if you're looking through green glasses, you probably say he didn't roll away. <laughs> um, but I mean, the the kind of the roll of the dice went. I said I said on the last episode, you know, um, Chicago was a game where the bounce of the ball and all of the things that had to go right for Ireland went right. That's right. And D- Dublin wasn't. It, it, you know, the, they knocked on when they when they shouldn't have. They, uh, I mean, there was one point where. Um, Again, again, an attacking uh, position off. off I think it was a, a line-out mall again. Um, really, really strong position, and then that was, um, the ball carrier runs into one of the props, um, and there's a kind of obstruction. So uh, they had opportunities. That, I mean, they had 70% of the ball. They had 70% of the possession, and the All Blacks were in trouble, you know, for a lot of that game, and just magically it. It, 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 they kept Ireland out. One thing that's getting a lot of play here in the press is the, you know, very intelligent cynicism, and that's a feature of of 
all black play i think you know um it, it seems like whenever you know new zealand are, are under a little bit of pressure you'll, you'll see them kind of concede a penalty and that was reflected in the in the penalty count i think by the yeah. end of the day it was 14 to 4 or something like that that's right um and that was what I think kind of bred a lot of the frustration in the crowd where you you saw this pressure and you saw this, you know, extended, you know, high kind of penalty count. And then that leads into some of the other nonsense that's kind of played out as a result of that, where, where things that look really bad, you know, tackles and things kind of become a, a distraction to be able to take away from some of that stuff. So I think make no, make no bones about it. The Ireland did not win that game because they didn't score tries. End of. There's there's nothing more to it than that. But I think that the kind of uh, the analysis that as it's played out here in Ireland hasn't necessarily reflected that. Right. It seems like there was a lack of maybe the occasion got ahead of some of the players, I think, you know, on top of, I think the Irish lacked focus it, it felt and you know some of that execution you mentioned compared to Chicago at least and we saw you know Rory Best out in the ref's air while Barrett's kind of lining up a kick instead of you know waiting behind the posts there seemed to be a constant chirping away in the ref's air from the Irish players throughout the game they were trying to find a fault in absolutely you know everything and then that forced you know the All Blacks and and especially Kieran Reid to to do the same and it kind of just made the whole thing worse the crowd jumped on top of that whenever there was a stoppage in play and you know the refs talking to to an Irish and, a, and an all-black player seemed to slow the game down a little bit as well and I wonder if because it didn't go the way that it went in Chicago or maybe as they were hoping or expecting um, the occasion kind of got on top of them a little bit is, is that what you saw George? Uh, yeah they, they seemed slowly rattled once I think Barrett went in for, for his try Almost somewhat shell shocked that they'd let him sort of slice through so easily. I guess he was he was untouched as he went through until he got a bit cheeky trying to get it closer under the posts. I, I'm not sure what their game plan was this week. Uh, it felt like they were playing a very direct game. They would only sort of go two passes out and then they'd just try and straighten the attack. Yeah, their, their back three of was it Cooney, Zebo, and Trimble. They're, they're pretty handy footy players. But uh, I've got here, they only carried the ball 26 times between them. Kearney had half of those himself. Uh, and you compare that to the AB's back three of Dag, Savier and Smith, who had 22 carries uh, amongst them. And that's with only 30% of the possession. Yeah. So it seemed like they they backed themselves a bit more in Chicago. They, they had more confidence to use the width and were braver in turning down the three points and going for the seven. Uh, Chris touched on it before. They came so close in that second half uh, with the was it the line out and shape to to set a rolling wall, and then O'Brien came on the wrap around and he he spilled the beans with the try line begging. But uh, that confidence was wasn't there like it was in Chicago, I think, in certain places. Like Aaron Smith was off uh, in the first half, and they they turned down a a scrum or a, another attacking position to take the, the three points when they're only about. 10 metres out the line and, you know, pretty handy position, I thought. Yeah, some weird weird decision-making. Chris, how much of that were you picking up at the ground versus kind of making sense of it on the footage at home? Yeah, so with Smith's, uh, Aaron's yellow card, um, while he was off, uh, I think the score was 14-6 at that point. And uh, Ireland turned down the opportunity to kick for the corner and, and set up a you know an attacking position for the three points to make it 14-9. Now, there's been, that's actually played out a little bit here in the press. Rory Best was asked about that, and he said, look, that's on me. I, I made the, the call, and I thought, let's make it 
49 and then we'll go and score a try. I, I distinctly remember turning around to the people who were sitting behind me who were a little bit surprised at the call and saying, I just think that's the wrong call. So it, it didn't, it didn't look right from where I sat. It, it didn't, it didn't wow. feel right. Yeah. Um, and I think, you know, there's probably a little bit of regret um, creeping through in, in, in as much as there can ever, ever can be when you talk to a professional sports person, they, they tend not to let too much away. Um, going back a step, you know, you mentioned Rory Best was in the refs here. I think, you know, he's, I, I guess he's kind of entitled to do that a little bit. Certainly the crowd were definitely on the refs back. It emerged pretty early that there were, you know, it just didn't seem like uh, Jacko was, was having a, a good day. I don't really know how much to make of that, if I'm honest. There's been a lot of chat. It seems that both the All Blacks and our supporters, you know, <laughs> kind of complaining about it. The one thing I would say is that he, he didn't seem to kind of, it didn't feel like he was in control a lot. You know, things like with the, the the incredible Barrett line break off that attacking scrum in the middle of the pitch where he, he went through untouched. And then there was the question about the grounding. You know, he he got a decision from the TMO and he questioned it like three times. So he he, he gave people in the crowd with with the ref, you know, the, the earpiece and yeah. a kind of question, a, a, an opportunity, you know, he kind of opened right. the window for, to, to question the decision. Mm. You know, he wasn't really in control in, in that kind of way. Someone in work said to me, you know, that they, they liked the, the, the niggly part of it. They liked that the, the crowd were on, on the ref's back. They liked the physical stuff. Interesting. Because, because for the first time in, in as long as that they could remember, they felt like they were, that the Irish team were equals out there. Mm. That it wasn't this kind of foregone conclusion mm. that was just going to, you know, just we'll, we'll wait to the, the second half and the All Blacks will put five, five tries on us. Um, and I, I kind of, I thought that was quite insightful, you know, it, um, you know, the All Blacks are in a game, and and I, I said last week as well, you know, Ireland are the heartbreak kings. It just some, some weeks you just want it to, to go differently, and, and that was one of those days. It's just whatever decision they made or whatever way the ball bounced, uh, it didn't go their way. And, you know, dropping the ball with an open try line to make it uh, to make it 14-13, you know, suddenly you've got a very different game on your hands. So, in my view, Ireland really only have themselves to blame. Uh, whether the crowd were on their back, whether the ref had a bad day, you know, whether these, you know, Fekato should have been red or whether Kane should have been yellow. Or, I mean, that's all, doesn't matter. Like, it doesn't, it, it, it's happening and it's happened and you've got to kind of roll with it. And you've got to, against the best team in the world, you've got to take your chances and, and Ireland just didn't take their chance. There's one thing I'd say, which is, you know, rugby is a game where, you know, you've got a couple of uh, things to do. It's about winning the ball, keeping the ball and using the ball. And between both Chicago and and Dublin, you know, the Ireland were by far the better team at winning the ball and keeping the ball. I mean, the stats kind of play that out. Yeah. You know, superior numbers in both um, possession and territory. But I think it's fair to say, uh, you know, in Chicago, both teams were quite good at using it. It's just that the All Blacks kind of had it a bit less in, in in Chicago. But in Dublin, you know, the All Blacks were the only team on the field who actually used the ball. I mean, they just, yeah. they just, Ireland just didn't use it. So, I mean, rugby is a pretty simple game when you boil it down to those kind of things. And, and that's kind of the difference for me. Yeah. And I think, you know, we've seen this backlash from the Irish supporters. It, it feels like it started during the game and the crowd were on the ref's back and the decisions that were made either, you know, from looking at the big screen at the stadium or just what was perceived from the stands. And then it's all over social media, you know, this Irish supporters reaction, um, you know, and Kiwis aren't always 
you know, the most gracious in defeat when decisions go against us. Um, but we felt, I think, you know, the perception was we're pretty good after the Irish loss in Chicago, genuinely happy for the Irish. You know, this has a completely different feeling afterwards, you know, and I think that's a little bit disappointing. The Kiwis, I guess, Jordan, I don't know about you, but I feel like, you know, the inability to score tries kind of outweighs any sort of perception about poor tackles or taking players out or being a dirty team. Yeah, uh, I mean, they have every right to complain about the the high tackles that sort of made contact with the head or the neck. This AB squad has played all season pretty bloody fairly and scarcely had a tackle questioned, uh, let alone cited. And uh, now now they're calling them thugs and that sort of thing. It just kind yeah. of it just kind of wrecks of the heart heartbroken Irish fans who've got swept up in the emotion of Chicago and kind of assumed it would happen again in Dublin. Uh, I mean, I hope they'll they'll sit down and watch it again without that emotional attachment and see the match for what it was, like a pure physical contest between two great teams who didn't want to lose. I mean, um, I'm here, I'm living it. I walked into the gym the other morning and the first thing that someone said to me was that, I won't quote him directly, but he made, a, made his feelings very clear that me and my, uh, my brethren are a, a bunch of uh, cheating bastards. And and um, <laughs> that's that's brilliant fun, you know. It's it's felt exhausting. I I tend to kind of read a lot, and um, overwhelmingly the coverage here in Ireland has has been about the the physical component of what happened on Saturday. It, you know, and I'll say it again before I kind of move on. You know, Ireland lost that game because they didn't score any tries. There's nothing more to it than that. And and I think it's 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 easy to kind of to to look past that if if you if you're feeling like you've you've been hard done by, particularly when you're and hard done by in the sense that you, you support the team that have all the ball and um, you know all the territory and you know a, a really really impressive number of opportunities against the best side in the world. So it's there. Some of the analysis has picked up on that, but overwhelmingly, the the coverage has been uh, about, you know, I mean, there's words like thugs and and whatever. Right. I, fr- frankly, my view, is, and and I feel uniquely qualified to kind of comment on this, being a supporter of both sides, is that it was a very physical game, and you know, uh, setting out with a physical intent to make a statement is a legitimate. Um, you know, tactic. And I mean, New Zealand were on the receiving end of this. I think the in the second game against Australia at home, That's right. after after we put some pain on them in, in Australia, you know, they they came to New Zealand to really you know make make us aware that they were there. And I remember, I remember, it didn't you know, we we were kind of as New Zealand supporters thinking, well, what's going on here? This isn't this isn't kind of how it's done, right? So I think that. In and amongst all of this, there is, like everything in life, there's you know two sides to every every story, and the truth is probably somewhere in the middle. I, I do not believe for a second that Ireland uh, that New Zealand came to you know willfully injure players. You never like to see anyone go down. It's a physical game, you know. It's a game where you know essentially the most of the intent of the of the game is to win a collision. So you know there is a way to do that within the rules. Um, if you don't do it within the rules, there are punishment for that. For that, and um, you know, you know, Fikitoa's got a ban here, and I think that's that's reasonable. Irish fans would take that one step further and say it should have been a red on the day. 
Right. I don't know. Maybe a different ref. Uh, you, you could see that being given in a different game. Right. And and then that leads on to the next point, which is that there is a very strong perception that there is different treatment for New Zealand. So, Matty Williams, who's a um, ex Waratahs coach who spent a lot of time up here. He coached Ulster and Leinster, and now he's a columnist uh, with the Irish Times. So he was on a podcast the other day. And he had some data which he says is, is three years old. I haven't verified this data, but this is this is what he said. So he said for every 11 penalties that South Africa concede, they get a yellow card. For every 12 penalty, penalties that Australia concede, they get a yellow card. And for every 43 penalties that New Zealand concedes, we get a yellow card. So, so you know, a lot of this plays into this kind of perception. Whether it's true or not, it is backed up a little bit by by the data. Um, you know, it's it's... It's about where you draw the line. I don't think a line was crossed on Saturday. I don't think that there was any kind of intent. I mean, you know, it's not really comparable to the old days of, you know, going to South Africa and, you know, waiting to see who, who was going to be the first to get eye gouged. It was a physical game. It had to be physical because New Zealand had to make an intent, a massive statement of intent. And, um, you know, it, it, there were some, some incidents where, 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 which, you know, it didn't look good. My, my reading of the Kane one when I saw that happen was that it was totally fine. And then, like I said, two, two sides of every story. You can slow everything down. You can get the, the freeze frame where it looks bad. And there is, there is a frame doing the rounds where his, his shoulder's making contact with the head. So, uh, you know, at the end of the day, my view is that had no material kind of impact on the outcome. And it's frankly a distraction. There are there's something about kind of injustice, and maybe it, it plays into a bit of the the country's history. In Ireland, there there has been injustice, and and it kind of it's it's something that people are used to feeling. <laughs> I can I can think of other great sporting injustices as well. So um, before the, the football World Cup that was going to be in in South Africa, um, the Irish team were playing. France for a place and and that was a playoff game to make the World Cup in South Africa the 2010 World Cup it would have been and they were playing in Paris and Thierry Henry handled the ball he controlled the ball before crossing it to William Gallas who who headed it uh into the net and and won the game I think to make it 2-1 to, to, to France and there was if you think if you think this is there was uproar this weekend you right know, this, this is next level stuff yeah and, and I'm always reminded by a famous Irish ex-player's remark at the time is he said, never mind about the handball, why didn't someone get their head on it? And, and that was kind of lost in, in that analysis. It was all about the morality and this perceived sense that, you know, honest endeavor and honest intent had been had kind of been outdone by dishonest, you know, physical component. And, and that's a common thread common thread here now so you know uh summing up i'm not surprised that there was a backlash there are dickheads in in every country you know new zealand have you know some some idiot new zealander made a death threat about wayne barnes in 2007 so you know <laughs> new zealanders are are by no means angels it was really disappointing that it kind of went that way perhaps that comes back to finally feeling like you know there's there, there's some kind of sense of equality between New Zealand and Australia and that's a good thing uh, sorry New Zealand uh, New Zealand are and that's a good thing for rugby I'm kind of feeling a little bit caught in the middle I feel like it's my parents fighting and I'm like guys stop fighting <laughs> <laughs> anyway there's a lot to be said about that yeah. uh, 
a lot of the coverage is hysterical and crazy and you know uh, the truth is the truth is lost in, in a lot of right it. i think like the you can go digging for stats that back up your point of view as well that one about the penalties conceded per yellow card you know there's other stats you look at richie mccory played you know most test cap player in the world only conceded three yellow cards in his whole career if that is a uh, signal for you know the all blacks don't concede yellow cards then i could spout that one or find many others yeah. like i feel like the all blacks made it the all blacks made it uh, hard for themselves by conceding 14 penalties in the game and uh jordan i don't know about you watching on the tv I was super frustrated. I think I was messaging you throughout the game and you could probably tell how frustrated I was. I was so hoping for better execution than we saw in areas in Chicago, especially around the lineouts. You know, um, it was very obvious that we weren't going to get much of the ball, especially in that second half with Ireland within five. You know, the clock was ticking. We had 20 minutes with only 14 men. And I was just getting so frustrated that the that the All Blacks were just making it so hard. Uh, yeah, yeah, you were getting pretty uh, pretty upset by it all. Uh, some of those <laughs> texts were coming through. You you weren't a happy chappy, that was for sure. My phone um, battery went from seventy percent and at when I got into the ground to one percent when I left because it was firing so hot from all of these texts coming in. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the fly half group chat, yeah, that was uh, that was getting into some deep stuff there. I mean, the All Blacks have spent a lot of time on on defence. A lot of tackling. I mean, that's that's energy sapping. There's nowhere to hide to catch your breath. So I'm not totally surprised by the errors. Uh, we would obviously like to see them cut out, but you know we were still pretty good with the ball in hand to score three tries with 30% position and territory. That's not bad. The clinical execution you kind of expect from the All Blacks. Um, it was it was there and it wasn't. It was up and down. Uh, we did some magic stuff. We did some poor stuff. It's just the way the, the game goes. And when you're starved of possession for so long, uh, I mean, like you said, Phil, you, you you want them to do more with it, but it was tough on them not having the ball for so long. Yeah, and being under pressure when they didn't have it as well. So, yeah, uh, like, I mean, it wasn't, it wasn't like there was just kind of... I mean, Ireland did put on a lot of pressure. Sorry to interrupt you, uh, George, but... Um, no, no, yeah, you're right, mate. That's exactly that, it. Yeah, so so I don't I, I didn't view it as the All Blacks kind of screwing up. I, I kind of saw it as the natural outcome of just two really evenly matched teams. I mean, the one thing I didn't kind of say at the start is that it, the scoreline I don't think actually rep, you know reflected how close a game it was. It was really really close. So you know with the All Blacks not having the ball and and being on defence pretty much you know seventy percent of the time. You know, a, a few mistakes and a few kind of uh, poorly executed kind of moves are, are understandable. And then when you think about not having the ball and still being able to score three tries, act, and even having one disallowed, which technically I think may should have stood, and arguably potentially should have had a penalty try when Andrew Trimble knocked the ball down. It was only given as a knock-on. You know, so they only had the ball a couple of times, but they really were able to use it really, really well. Right, uh, you know, considering uh, even maybe not playing at a hundred percent of their capability. Yeah, I'd like to focus in on Aaron Smith, you know, versus TJ Perinara for a second. I mean, I felt like it was hundred percent clear that Aaron Smith is still not back to his best. That was really obvious when TJ came on. We called it uh, in our fly half post after you know the incident that they probably should have given him the summer off. Uh, his he keeps getting selected and it feels like it's almost detrimental to kind of 
him potentially and and maybe the the team on you know that he goes is running out with each each weekend you know he was tossing inaccurate passes he was kicking poorly he you know conceded the yellow card with a pretty blatant offside you know is he is he trying too hard jordan what do you reckon uh, he's, he's still obviously feeling the effects from the public fallout of uh, the incident yeah tj is in prime form it's pretty hard to ignore that so i think smith he must have been training well all week to get the nod. They put a lot of faith in his experience. And right. yeah, they've got the coaching staff there that they should pick up on things where someone's not right. And I would have thought, given his trainings throughout the week, they would have said, oh, he's not quite there. So for him to have started, I think he must have been training pretty well, playing pretty well with the boys. And then obviously come test match time, yeah, he's, he's still feeling the effects. He's not quite right. I mean, you don't, you just don't see those those passes from Aaron Smith ever really, yeah. uh, let alone so many of them in one in one match. I mean, he, he came on as his cameo as a sub against Italy uh, last week, and it certainly sort of gave the appearance that he was he was getting his game back together. But I guess the pressure was kind of off at that stage of that Test match. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's right. You say maybe it was detrimental to take him on tour. Uh, I, I think it, it possibly could have been worse to leave him at home, given what had happened and the, the public outcry. Uh, he could have slipped into depression, sort of watching Kerbalo and TJ away on tour, just you know playing well, and he, he may have felt like the forgotten man, and that, that could have had a real negative impact on uh, on how he would bounce back uh, after the summer. True. He had the opportunity, opportunity at least, to, to prove himself uh, away on tour and be in the uh, all-black environment with his mates. Like form is temporary, class is permanent. That old chestnut. Uh, even though he may not have been sort of playing particularly well on tour, I'm sure the, the All Blacks will have been utilising his experience and halfback knowledge to tutor like TJ and Kerbalo throughout the midweek trainings and whatnot. It'll be very interesting to see how he comes back after the summer for the Highlanders, especially with the Lions tour coming up. Yeah, uh, I mean, like you said, he's perhaps trying too hard in that Test match, but I think he's better off having had the opportunity to play himself back in rather than sort of disappear for a few months and then try and come back into the AB's environment right before the Lions tour. Let's shift to uh, what's up next for Ireland. They've got Australia. Um, you know, it seems like uh, a chance to finalise prep for the Six Nations. Chris, uh, Oz haven't been 100% convincing on this tour, although they have won every game, you know, and have, have Ireland kind of had the perfect prep against New Zealand for, for a big result in, in Ireland? Well, part of the thing that has been annoying me this week with all of this nonsense about, uh, you know, and the distraction after the New Zealand game is that it's taking away from what I think is actually the biggest game of the of of the autumn for for Ireland, and and it became the biggest game as soon as the result in Chicago was locked in. Um, you know, a one-all series draw with New Zealand is, you know, there's no shame in that. Uh, strangely though uh, beating uh, the All Blacks in Chicago and then beating Canada and then losing at home two weeks in a row to New Zealand and Australia strangely that that would probably be seen as a bit of a bad autumn right so you know uh, it was great it was a massive hit out there were some injuries though and you know Ireland are going to uh, I think it's been confirmed today are definitely going to be without definitely without Sexton with his hamstring uh, Henshaw obviously took a nasty knock to the head so he'll be out for a week or two I think Carney was going under the um, the return to play protocol so he's a doubt Zebo apparently there was some uh, a little bit of concern for him 
and uh, Stander, he went off with a head knock as well. Now, Ireland have got a lot of depth in the back row, and one of the great things that you can say about the Joe Schmidt era is that it's not that it's not a first 15 anymore and, and you know, a couple of injuries, uh, and suddenly they're in big trouble. That, that was the problem against France in the World Cup. Uh, uh, sorry, against Argentina after the France game uh, in the World Cup. So I, I would feel for Ireland that they should be confident going in. I just wish the media would switch their attention. It'll probably happen tomorrow. You know, tomorrow is Wednesday. So, um, you know, things will start to uh, switch and turn for that. And, you know, Michael Check is back in town. So, you know, ex-Leinster coach up against Joe Schmidt, ex-Leinster coach. So there's a bit of a narrative in that. It's also, you know, three playing four in terms of world rankings. So um, that's that's really big. And what that means for... The, the seedings for the next World Cup draw, which are in May. So if, if Ireland beat Australia and, and have a half-decent Six Nations, it's been a really, really good uh, year and a half for the Ireland side. Yeah, and let's hope they can hold on to that fourth spot for the uh, World, Rugby World Cup draw in May. Oh, it would be, be, incredible. be a big deal. It would be a big deal, yeah. Yeah. Hey, George, so the All Blacks have got uh, France next. It looks like, so Kane's out with an injury. Uh, Smith Ben Smith is out. So do we see Dag back in fullback? Maybe Matt Todd to start? Surely TJ's going to start? What do you reckon? I think TJ definitely has the start. Uh, no no question about that. He's he's definitely earned it. It's, it's still a big game. Make no, make no marks about that. France in France. I mean, you never know yeah. which France team is going to turn up. It could be the one with the bounce of the ball that uh, goes over an All Blacks head and somehow falls its way into a, into a French hand and there's a try. Uh, or it could be the, the French team that, that doesn't want to be there. So I, I think they'll be putting out the best lineup they can. To me, that's that's yeah, Dag going back to his his sort of favourite spot at fullback. I kind of hope Rico Yuani gets a, a go on the wing to start. I think this would be great uh, a great test to really put him out there in yeah. the the cauldron of Test rugby and and see what he's got. Matt Todd, he's worth a go to start. I think it could be a good game. We, I mean, we haven't won that many turnovers. From uh, from rucks and moors and that sort of thing, have we? We, we haven't right. been no. competing, so I'd like to see a, a real ball fetcher like Todd giving his go. Yeah, we got Wayne Barnes on the whistle. You know, we're gonna have to watch the discipline with that. And you know, let's not even talk about the alternative <laughs> jersey. I think you know, there's a bit of a divided public opinion on that, and um, hopefully, it looks good on the telly. I guess uh, Wayne Barnes, alternate strip. What could go and France? What could go wrong? <laughs> have we been here before? I don't know. Have we? Hey, the All Blacks have never lost in Paris. There you go. It's a, it's a great stat. Be interesting to just quickly recap some of the other games this weekend. So you know there were some pretty interesting results. We had Scotland get over Argentina nineteen sixteen with a final minute penalty. The French just lost out to Australia. Camille Lopez missed a drop goal in the final minute, so the Aussies walked away twenty five twenty three. They're on their way to a Grand Slam with Ireland and England to come. You know, it took a Sam Davies drop goal in the last minute in, uh, for Wales over Japan, 33-30. Italy beat South Africa, 2018, and they were down to 14 men at one point and just, you know, traded penalties in the final quarter to hold on. Some very, very close results there. And then we had England kind of just put a, a pretty decent score, 58-15, on the board over Fiji. Anything in particular stand out? You know, obviously the Italy-South Africa result was a big one, but some some really close, you know, north versus south scorelines there. Yeah, I mean, how about that finish? The Australian player, I, I forget the, the name of him, 
incredible finish. I think Australia put out a, a second string lineup, so that result might be a little bit uh, misleading. I think they were saving a few players for this coming weekend. Come on, Japan! Uh, I had that. I was obviously out for the for the All Blacks game, and that one that one was on in the pub, and um, suddenly everybody in Ireland were uh, Japan supporters. <laughs> And, you know, a little bit unfortunate for them to, uh, I mean, I think they kicked away possession on 79 minutes and 40 seconds or something ridiculous. And then Wales marched up the other end and, you know, slotted the droppy. South Africa, I mean, Italy are, the All Blacks showed how poor, I'm going to, you know, it's probably a fair word to say that Italy are. So South Africa have really, really fallen a long way. Just from the from the Irish perspective, you know, a two-one series loss in South Africa looks increasingly like a massively missed opportunity for Ireland, and it feels a little bit like there's a bit of a bunching up. You know, suddenly New Zealand, England, uh, Australia, and Ireland are kind of bunched up around. There's still a bit of a gap to New Zealand, I think, but in terms of quality, and then there seems to be this kind of gap opening up a little bit. You know, France, Argentina, Scotland. Uh, Wales occupying and South Africa obviously kind of bunched in a second kind of chasing pack and there's probably not a whole lot to separate those teams at the minute and um, you know great for the game as well to see Japan performing against what was I believe uh, a reasonably full strength Welsh uh, squad although they're missing Gatland of course who's, who's taken some time off in advance of the, the Lions next year. Yeah it's great to see Japan kind of carrying on that I mean they had that famous win over South Africa and the World Cup last year, and they're holding down a performance. You know, it seems they have they've on on track to have one great performance a year. Yeah, and they were missing big players too. Uh, Gorumaru, who plays for Toulon, the the guy who uh, who navigated that um, that game from fullback for uh, for Japan against South Africa, he was he was kept back. Uh, Michael Leach, the very Japanese um, Chiefs player, uh, <laughs> I think he, he he took the summer off after essentially not getting a break playing season with Chiefs last year, or, or sorry, a, a season in Japan last year maybe, and then a, uh, then the World Cup and then a full season uh, with the Chiefs. So, you know, they're missing some big players too, so that's that's encouraging as well. Let's quickly do some predictions for this weekend. Uh, we'll start with England versus Argentina at Twickenham. Uh, Jordan, what are your thoughts on this? Uh, I'm looking forward to this match. Uh, I'd, I'd love to see Argentina give, give England a bit of a tickle up, Absolutely. Uh, especially at Twiggers. My heart, my heart says Argentina can get up for it, but the brain says no. Uh, I, I can see England running, uh, running winners here, twenty nine seventeen. Chris, uh, England by more than three scores, whether those are tries or penalties. Uh, but England will, England will win that easily. Interesting. I'm going to say England by twelve or under. I reckon Argentina are going to bounce back from that Scottish uh, narrow Scottish loss with some aggression. We then have Wales versus South Africa. Um, obviously, the South Africans coming off the back of a pretty disappointing result against Italy. Jordan, where do you see this one going? Uh, South Africa, they'll, they'll be hurting. The Springboks, uh, they, they don't like losing any game, uh, let alone one to someone like Italy. So I can see them bouncing back here. Wales at home, you know, they're, they're always tough. So I think this will be a really close match, quite an arm wrestle quite a bit of kicking in the match. I I think I think South Africa is going to get up and win this one 25-23. Nice. And Chris? I don't think it'll be quite that high scoring. I think it'll be brutal. I think 
I think uh, South Africa will have a point to prove, and when they have a point to prove, they tend to uh, like hurting things. Uh, I think it. South Africa seem to be struggling to score tries. Wales at home, you know, are under pressure. They're not playing with the same kind of fluidity that they they would under Gatland. So I think that'll be close. And I'm going to go 18-15 to Wales. Nice. Five, and five Mornay Stain penalties. <laughs> I'm going to say South Africa 13 plus, uh, and I think they'll put a few tries on. I think they're going to be pretty angry and start throwing the ball around with some big hits up front. Uh, Ireland, Australia, we've obviously talked about um, the situation for the Irish going in. So quickly, um, score prediction from you, Jord? Uh, yeah, Chris touched on it before that this sort of seems like the big game. For Ireland, they've been building up to this one. Uh, I, I think they'll get it done at home. Aussie have been sort of building along pretty nicely on this end of year tour, but I, I think Ireland's going to get up for it. Uh, I think 24-21. Chris? Yeah, something like that. It'll be it'll be in the 20s and Ireland to sneak it. Yeah, I reckon. I'm hoping the Irish get up somewhere in the 20s as well, maybe six and under uh, over Australia. And then lucky last, we have the All Blacks in France. Obviously, we've talked about the All Blacks side going in. Um, so scoreline prediction from you, Jordan. Uh, last last test of the end of season tour. It's always a toughie. The, the minds can start to wander to, to days on the beach back home in, in New Zealand. France, you never know who's going to turn up. I, I can see All Blacks winning this one uh, to the tune of 35-17. Nice. Chris? Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if the All Blacks get through 40. Um, I don't see the uh, France scoring a lot of points. So, uh, yeah, high 30s to teens. I'd love to see the All Blacks, you know, have a little bit more possession and territory than last weekend and, and give away far less penalties. <laughs> I think I kind of, as long as they do that and, and get the win, you know, that to me is an improvement on, on, on last week. So, you know, 40 plus would be nice. Um, but really looking for, uh, for me, is lower penalties and and holding on to the ball and using the ball when, the, when they've got it. I think 40 points by 13 or more. Uh, I don't think the French will be able to uh, get over the line too many times. So um, that's it. Thanks, lads, for your time. And thanks to those listening who made it you know, this far through the podcast. Check out flyhalf.net for more updates on the All Blacks as they finish up their northern tour against France. You know, Thanks, Chris. Thanks, Jordan, for your time. Thanks, Cheers, guys. Mate. And everyone, uh, enjoy the rugby this weekend. And uh, as always, go the All Blacks.